Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. everyone and welcome back to Pixels, the show where we cover the news from the past couple of weeks in gaming. We talk about games, consoles, PCs, desktop, laptops, those are all the same things, and uh, mobile as well, and the industry in, in general. My name is Patrick Beja. Today we're going to be talking about the Anthem demo, what we thought about it, what it might mean about the game uh, once it comes out in a couple of weeks. We're also going to be talking about Apex Legends, which was uncharacteristically for uh, any game uh, announced and released the same day. And uh, we're also going to be talking about Nintendo, some of the things they discussed and announced, and some of the rumors related to that, and a bunch of other things like a uh, couple of games we've been playing, Rage 2, which looks kind of crazy, some uh, controversy about Metro Exodus and the way it's being released, a bunch of other things. And to help me see super clearly in all of these things i'm very glad to be welcoming for the first time to the show dan from dantix is that the proper way of introducing you i didn't even uh, ask before we first started dan from dantix <laughs> yes it is i'm happy to be here i'm dan uh i run the channel dantix so it's basically antics but with a dan to it very clever <laughs> very well you know my my uh twitter name is not patrick so i think the, in the cleverness department i've gone as low as anyone can so i i think dantix is pretty good in comparison so well done <laughs> um no problem so we are going to be talking first about anthem and uh, that's basically why i asked you specifically to be on the show and thank you for being on for agreeing to come on um, because you've been covering Anthem quite a bit and you know Destiny quite well also and those games are, yes, are probably yes, well related. Yes, yes. Um, I've been playing the demo. I played about, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe a bit more hours uh, between the VIP demo and the, um, the, the open demo. demo. Yeah, the public demo yeah, from this yeah. weekend. Uh, have you played a, a whole lot more than that, or what's your background? Oh with yeah, <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> I played a. Uh, right now, I play hundreds of hours of the game. Um, between being sent out to to try it early, to try the full game early, and between the alpha and between the VIP and the public demo, so I have quite a bit of experience with the game. <laughs> 
So maybe you can help me. And actually, that's my hope, um, because I'm very torn about the prospects for this game. And before I launch into that, I do want to remind people who might not know what it is. Uh, I don't know if any of those people exist in the world, but I guess maybe. So just in case, Anthem (laughs) is a giant project by BioWare that has been, uh, maybe not in development, but its inception uh, uh, started back in 2012. Uh, The game is published by EA, and it was a game that BioWare envisioned as a, I I believe it was called Project Dylan for Bob Dylan, and and the idea was to revolutionize Mm -hmm. the way that people think about games, or, you know, maybe that's that's the inspiration for (laughs) (laughs) that game. I think a lot of time has passed, and a lot of games have come out, which kind of make this a, a, a little bit of a, uh, not a copy, but a lot of inspiration has been taken from some other games. And it's a game as a service. You jump into a an exoskeleton, you fly around in an open world environment for the some uh, parts, or, or you go on missions, always match made with a, a team of three other uh, people. You have different types of ex- exoskeleton. Let's call them Iron Man armors, uh, because that's mm-hmm. what they feel like. Um, and you have four types available, which work essentially as classes, and you go out and do missions. It's a lot of shooting, a lot of ability using, um, and you do missions ag- against increasingly uh, difficult enemies for increasingly powerful loot. So it's a looter shooter in the third person with flying suits of armor. Um, I guess yeah, that's the message. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, while you're going through the main storyline and the main missions, you actually can do that solo or just with another friend. You don't need to do that with four other people. So that is something to note if you do want to try that. And I did actually get a, a chance to try a few missions alone. And that is completely possible for those uh, Mass Effect purists out there who want to play Solo, that is possible, but then the the late game content, the strongholds, uh, which function like a, a smaller raid, like a four man raid, uh, they have to be done with with four people. Mm. So, in in terms of in terms of the fantasy, it, it really is a a looter shooter Iron Man like experience uh, that has you. I guess on a third axis is is the best way to describe it. Mass Effect's kind of multiplayer on a third axis. Right, so you add the verticality of the game, uh, and that plays a, a huge role. And we'll talk about this in a second. Um, I'm going to set aside the technical issues of the game, um, of the demo, because there were many... <laughs> many, many mm-hmm. in the VIP demo. Uh, they were a lot less numerous, but still present to an extent in the public demo that happened a week mm-hmm. a week later. Um, hopefully, for the release of the game, you know the, the the build that we've been using for the demo was an older build, a few weeks uh, er, uh, older than the one that's going to be coming out in uh, on the twenty second. And we'll assume that the game, beyond maybe the mad rush of the first. 20 hours or so is going to work and function properly. Uh, that's an assumption, yeah. uh, but I, I hope that's how it will work. But so let's leave that aside for a second. The game itself, I am constantly torn between... Um, so I have to say, first of all, the flying feels incredible. It is the highlight of my experience for the demo, uh, which, uh, again, I've played for several hours. It feels really good to go around flying in those... Uh, it, it feels like Iron Man. My, I, I have a friend um, who calls it 
Iron Man is vacationing on Pandora from Avatar. And that's what it feels like. Um, and, and so that feels really good. The shooting feels okay. It's not a deterrent to playing, but I don't think it feels as good as it does in, in something like Destiny, for example. Um, but the, the main concern I have is that the, we only had access to three missions in the demo and one stronghold, which is it's just... It's essentially, as uh, you mentioned, Dan, a small raid or dungeon or strike, something like that. And it mm -hmm. felt a little bit samey because all the um, missions are match made with three other people. So you're in the dungeon as well. So you're always, and actually you can also, the third type of activity you can do is go free roaming in the world uh, and you'll see missions pop up here and there uh, in a little bit more free way um, than in the missions. Uh, mm -hmm. some activities pop up, but that also is match made with three other people. So you're always in the team of four. And I felt like the variety of um, activities wasn't very wide. And that, so it felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and over again, which might be fun, but the trick in those games, I think, be it, you know, Diablo or Destiny or any of those, the trick is mm -hmm. for the designers to actually to trick you into thinking you're doing something different even though you're always you know pointing and shooting pointing and shooting but if you do that on a bounty or on a uh, solo run or then on a, a multiplayer thing or if there are other players around you it feels a little bit different or different enough that you don't get that routine that that kind of spoils it a little bit for you so i have this feeling on on the one hand and then I watch videos and uh, explanations about the loot grind, uh, videos like yours, Dan, when you detail things like the combo system and the way the um, items uh, chase, it, it becomes mm -hmm. more and more uh, uh, exciting because you get more powerful items that change uh, the way you, you look at the game. And I'm like, ah, oh, but the potential is so big for this game to be really fun and, and really um, uh, satisfying in that loot chase that those games always do. So I guess my mm -hmm. question is, which of the Patricks is correct? Uh, is it really exciting or is it, it does it become samey <laughs> after a while? Well, this is a big one to unpack. Firstly, um, with what you could see in the VIP demo and in the public demo was quite a small portion of the game. Now, Outside of the one stronghold and the three missions and the small section of free play that you can play, there is, you know, a, a larger range of missions. There's a whole storyline. We don't expect it to be the same size as, say, Mass Effect 3, but I expect, you know, at least 10, 20 hours of content there. Then we have extra stronghold missions. I believe there's three at release. And then we have uh, something called legendary contracts or contracts. These are repeatable missions, so to speak. They don't like calling it repeatable, but that's what it is. And what happens is you, you take a contract from a particular vendor and you have to fulfill certain requirements. Now, every time you go out and do this mission, it will be different. It'll be randomized. So it might have you going and collecting certain things and handing them in. Uh, it might have you going and killing certain enemies. Uh, it'll be it'll be randomized at each step. So, so it's, that's it's one bounties way of essentially it from it's bounties yeah, from yeah. Destiny or any other games. It's repeatable quests, right? Yeah, ex mm. exactly. With random aspects, and then you have the the daily, the weekly, and the monthly quests that you can get through. Those will reward you with with coin, and with that coin, you can 
buy those those items that you need. Those are cosmetic items that you need. Uh, also, you have uh, you have a lot more missions in free play that weren't kind of explained and what kind of shown mm. throughout the pro. I, I honestly think they. By, by putting out this demo, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. People thinking there isn't as much content in it than there actually is. I think that's been How the, the reaction. Everyone I've heard talk about the demo that hasn't had the, the, the breadth of experience you have with the game has come back and said, I don't know, man. It's It feels thin. It feels very thin. And that's the main concern. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. They did yeah. not. It didn't represent the game in the, in the best light uh, if there is so much. No, more to it, it really didn't. And I actually felt the same thing. I, I played all weekend with my friends and we got to a point where we had kind of seen everything we wanted to see and done everything we wanted to do. So that, at that point, it was just grinding it out. But unfortunately, you can't even grind out in the VIP and the public demos because you can't advance past level 15 and right. you can't get items over that certain level. So the draw for, for, for playing is not there. And I think that's the biggest downside, I would have preferred if they just said, here you go, play the game for two hours and that's all you get, because then there'd be that, you know, that that lust for more. But look, in terms of content, I think uh, it was only two or three days ago that uh, Mike Gamble, one of the senior producers, said that they are currently working on post-game content. They have a week into working on post-game content. There might be more to the map that they're adding. There might be more items, uh, even maybe a new javelin. So there's people there working to put out new content. And because it is that live service and it is going to be paid by the dreaded microtransactions within the vanity item section, um, there will be more content coming uh, yeah. If we can listen to that as a promise, uh, that's I think, all we got. We have promises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, obviously, the game being a live uh, service, I'm sure they're going to be releasing more content and more javelins uh, for you to purchase and things like that, which is fine. I think that's what live service games are. Um, exactly. I, I should mention there are uh, there's a difficulty system. It's really kind of... This game is the illegitimate child of the you know threesome of diablo D destiny and warframe kind of and there's yeah, a difficulty yeah, no, system. you're right um there's a difficulty system that that seems very inspired from diablo um the the loot system and the way the the items affect your abilities also uh feel inspired from diablo there, there's a lot of uh, all of this in there but i worry that people you know that we're, we have a destiny 2 vanilla situation here where people play for 50 hours or more which is already, you know, you get your money's worth if you've played 50 hours uh, to, for a, you know, $60 game. Yeah. But but then you're kind of done and you don't feel like grinding anymore. And I don't know, maybe the, the difficulty system and the loot system will be that uh, you were talking about the lust for uh, more items yeah. um, will be that motivation for you to keep playing. And it works really well in Diablo. You do the same thing over and over again for a, a better uh, chance of uh, at getting uh, uh, certain items. Um, so maybe yep. that's going to work. I have to say the, the, the combat system when I played felt a little bit tame but when i i listen to people like you describe the combo system and the need for uh, that synergy it feels very exciting um 
did you ever get bored of the i guess you played for hundreds of hours so you didn't but of that system does it feel different enough from everything else with the mobility and the abilities that are on, on such a short cooldown uh can you tell yeah. us what you think about the the moment-to-moment gameplay rather than the incentive for uh yeah look replaying if you play if you play in a bubble uh it's going to get stale pretty fast but if you play with a team, if you play with your friends, if you are constantly searching for, you know, the next item. And and for those who don't know, the items in uh, Anthem provide you with skills. So you might get a, for example, frag grenade item. You equip that to the specific javelin that it's attached to, and that will give you that skill to use. So when you find a new gear, Piece that gives you an ability, it, it might have a modification to it based on its um, rarity. So you might find something really cool that changes up the skill. Uh, same can be said about uh, weapons as well. Weapons can have little modifiers that change up what they do. One such example is uh, it will give an electric explosion when you when you land a uh, critical hit. That is one example of, of a particular modifier on one of the weapons. So there is little things like that that can change the gameplay up. But like you mentioned before, Patrick, the combo system and coordinating with your friends or your teammates is really vital, especially for those later difficulties. I played Grandmaster 1 and it was it was in, <laughs> extremely hard with the gear that we had. Mm. And I can only imagine what Grandmaster 3 would be like. The developers have said to actually get through that content you're going to need to coordinate your team perfectly you're going to need to call out when to cast skills when to uh, com- combine them for a combo and get that extra damage or that effect that depending on what the javelin is will benefit the team you also need to coordinate what skills you actually have between your team and you need to use the verticality there's there was a few times where I would need to fly up very high, get onto like a, a, a surface where I did have the high ground, Anakin, and I wasn't getting mm-hmm. fired at from everything below. Uh, and that really helped the team because I could continue to freeze all the targets around them. And then someone else would, you know, go in the ditch and make sure that they can continue to shoot the boss from below. So you if you if you use, you know, the combo system, get good items and coordinate with your team and use, you know, the verticality of the map all together it really changes up how the combat is and it will help you get through those harder levels it's you know that's when i the kind of thing that gives me hope for the game because i'm a huge destiny fan as people on this show know uh, listening to this show know and the 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 lust for shooting things in the head in destiny what was what got me uh wanting to play more all the time and i didn't feel anything like that in uh anthem but as you're talking about it, I'm like, yes, I want to do that. I want to go on that loot chase. And the, maybe I approached the uh, uh, gunplay a little bit too much like I do in Destiny. I was sitting somewhere or standing somewhere, shooting stuff in the face and not being that mobile, maybe a little bit. But I get a feeling that, first of all, because your abilities are on such a short cooldown, they are much more important than they are in Destiny. Uh, in Destiny, the gunplay is really a thing that takes precedence over everything. And mm-hmm. the the need for moving around, not just, I mean, vertically, of course, but also to flank enemies, go behind them, uh, make sure that you're uh, uh, not all shooting from the same uh, angle, etc., etc., it changes. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It changes it completely because 
as you saw in the video that I, I posted, I flew over the enemies with the shields, the front facing shields, and I started attacking from the back. And that created a situation where the enemy couldn't turn to face and uh, just got nuked Both down by you, our yeah. abilities. Now, yeah. And as you said, you, you have noticed a difference between Destiny and Anthem. Now, if you are all about the guns, if you really want that, you know, the feedback you get from hitting someone in the head properly or really aiming correctly, then that Destiny 2 might be the game for you. Whereas Anthem is more about the abilities and being mobile, like you stated. When you, you can't just sit behind cover and shoot. It's not, a, it's definitely not a cover based game. You gotta, you gotta fly around. You've gotta move around. You gotta dodge. And that's how it kind of dif differentiates from the, the, mm. the, the two games. Especially yeah, you have Destiny, to actually. There's there's a lot of uh, going to the priority targets, for example. Uh, there are um, turrets and uh, snipers that will shoot you from the other side of the map uh, and have perfect exactly, accuracy. Yeah. So you have to go take them out and you have to dodge those shots. Otherwise, you're really just going to blow up in, in 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, and you said a perfect accuracy. The enemies in Anthem do not miss often. Right. <laughs> they, they will mess you up. You got, you got to keep moving. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about the... Uh, I have a lot of concerns. Uh, like the story felt... There was one interesting beat, but besides that, it felt like you know, standard generic video game story, which is not very inventive. They're like, ah, oh, you're the freelancer and we need you beyond the wall. Go be the cool person. And you have two choices to uh, answer, which really don't change anything much beyond the tone of the conversation. The dialogue, I really mm -hmm. didn't like it. I thought it, it felt contrived and weird. Uh, it felt like everyone was recording their lines in a separate you know, room and time and and uh, uh, direction. But I think I'm kind of alone in that. So other other people have told me, no, what are you talking about? It's fine. So whatever. But so I don't know. There's there are structural okay. issues with the game. Like you are alone in your single player thing. You never feel like there's anyone around you. The dialogue and the conversations feel unnecessary they just added it so that they could say it's a bioware game uh like i i don't know and a lot of people yeah. compare it to destiny and say oh but destiny was like this in the beginning destiny wasn't there was what destiny did really well it did super well and again i i shouldn't i should refrain from this because I'm judging all of this on two hours of content, worth of content from the demo. So I want to wait and actually play the full game. But that's the feeling I still get. Yeah, look, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, just because someone else doesn't agree with you doesn't make it any less of a concern, right? Yeah. So to, to talk about your, firstly, uh, the story aspect. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like we really got a good chunk of story to really judge how it's going to play out. Mm. If I even haven't had a good chunk of story to judge how it's going to play out. When we were offered content, what I would do is I would always skip through all that because for me personally, I don't want to spoil any of that for me. And also they didn't give us access to the whole thing. You know, we're not right. going to be able to play through the whole storyline because of course, then there's spoilers and so forth. So 
Yes, I do agree that having the two dialogue options doesn't really add much to it. And obviously, there isn't going to be big game changing choices. Like you're not going to be picking between going on one mission or another mission. It's not going to change in that regard because they need you to play with your four friends and your four friends might have different choices. So realistically, they are arbitrary choices that don't really have have real meaning. And yes, it does feel a little tacked on for me too, but in terms of the potential of the story, I do I do actually see it. I do feel like the the main villain from what I what I have seen and what I have played is is quite I don't know, relatable is the right word. <laughs> so I really want to see more of him. His okay. voice actor is really good. Hmm. Um We didn't see any of that in the uh, in the demo, so that's why it's interesting to me. It might be uh there's yeah, more yeah. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um I'm I'm as I said, I'm torn, and at the same time, I really want to go back and fly those those suits. Uh, the the feeling when you jump off a cliff and activate your thrusters, there's nothing quite like it. I I don't think I've ever experienced something like that in in yeah. Game, so you really feel the kick. The sound designers mm. have done an amazing job with the soundtrack and and all the sounds within the game. I think it really adds that kind of impact to everything. But mm. like you said, uh, I think the gun, the gunplay is probably the, the weakest aspect in terms of the sound design. So Right. Yeah. And, and to be honest, the, the guns, as I was saying, you have the abilities all the time and they're very different and they're, they're loot. Essentially, you can loot more powerful, uh, as you mentioned, abilities, which motivate you i mean diablo for example is a hundred percent that you you loot stuff that you that is going to enable you to do different things to try different builds so ah i guess we'll see it's coming out in a couple of weeks so we'll talk about it again (laughs) i'm sure no problem um all right the other thing i wanted to talk about is uh apex legends which we started hearing rumblings about a couple of days ago and it's out it is a free-to-play battle royale and before you roll your eyes and and skip forward uh five minutes um it is an interesting one because it's uh respawn entertainment that developed it it's in the titanfall um universe and it is honestly it takes some uh interesting it, it has interesting takes on a number of things um Ah, I had an excellent joke prepared that I forgot. I was going to go like, oh, we're going to talk about this <laughs> multiplayer game published by EA that we've had a chance to try and that, oh, and of course, it's Apex Legends. And that was going to be, no, everyone expected Shoot. Anthem. All right. Should well, we start again? All right, take it from the top. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there there is a legitimate question there. Like EA is, aren't they, I guess it's a different... Uh, audience this is very pvp and free to play and and battle royale whereas anthem is obviously going after the looter shooter crowd so maybe they know they have the data to know that those those two don't intersect that much but it is a little bit weird to have the the beta for anthem and then announce and release this game three days later and then we have the game anthem coming out a a couple of weeks afterwards oh Um, yeah it's a bit weird, but there's, there's there's a lot smarter guys than me out there deciding these uh, release dates. But for me personally, I think releasing November, 
you know, even October, December, January or February is just chaos. There's so many games right now that we can be playing and releasing this three days after another one of their major titles mm. does seem a little weird. Definitely. And especially since Titanfall 2 went against uh, Battlefield, which one was it? One? I can't remember. Uh, a couple of years ago. Mm. And that didn't play out so well for Titanfall 2. But anyway, regardless... Um, First, it's very weird to announce and release a game in the, at the very same time. I guess it, it creates buzz and people are excited and go play it. And certainly a lot of Twitch streamers started playing it the moment it was available. Um, so there is some value there. But the, beyond that, the game is uh, pretty interesting. It focuses on squads of three. You can only play it with uh, squads of three. It's kind of a um, the first real... Uh, hero-based uh, battle royale. So you have, you currently have six different heroes that are available. Two additional ones you can purchase, and more are going to be coming, of course. Um, and they all have different abilities. Uh, and and of course, you have the the tropes of the battle royale genre. But one of the things that is really well done is the way you communicate with your squad mates. Um, there's a button to ping stuff, and it works really well. And you can ping different yes. uh, types of of messages uh, targeting a place on the uh, geometry of the world, and it works super well. I've I've never had yeah. that kind of communication. Right? It's it's very efficient. This is what this is this is what I took away from it. The, I absolutely love the ping system. Mm. I, this is a bit of a segue. It reminds me of Dota Two for some reason because in Dota Two everything that you ping is contextual. If you if you ping a hero, it says go be careful of that hero. If you ping an ally, it says, go defend that ally. You know, it, it's contextual. And it's the same with Apex. It, Wherever you ping, it kind of contextually modifies the message. So if you click on an enemy, it marks them and your team knows that's an enemy. You don't have to go to like a, a wheel and change what your message is going to be, though there is that as well. <laughs> it is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it feels so... Um natural and so fluid uh that's where you see the value of the incredible game designers in uh respawn obviously formerly of uh, infinity ward call of duty uh, modern warfare etc etc they are so great at extracting what's needed from for a game for a design and um putting it together in a package that feels natural and it certainly shows in this one and the 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 different heroes feel pretty cool the different legends they're called uh, in this game um the the art style is relatively realistic but not so much that it feels mm. gritty like uh, uh call of duty um I think it's it's a pretty good entry in the in the genre I don't know that it's going to yeah it's gonna uh you know revolutionize battle royale games or take anyone any other uh uh major game's place but it's it's pretty cool it feels pretty good and the shooting is very efficient very well done everything is fluid uh, i liked it and i don't usually like battle royale games um I'll yeah yeah uh, the art style actually reminded me a little bit of borderlands for some reason without the uh without the cell shading kind of uh strokes around everything it, it's got this like timeless kind of cartoony feel to realism which means that uh it won't age badly like some games like PUBG. Mm. if you look at that in 10 years i'm sure that won't look anywhere remotely as good 
as something uh, like this would in, in, in that 10 year period. And you mentioned uh, uh, the heroes, the legends. You don't actually uh, level them up or change the skills. Uh, they they start with everything that they need from the get go, which I thought was pretty interesting. What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I like that uh, aspect of it because I, I think you know I'm a big Overwatch fan, so I like that that idea of uh, the hero you're selecting is you know what it is. If you see one on the other side, you know what they are, and you don't have to worry about. Uh, uh, you know, that that super overpowered build, uh, you know what to expect. And they also have a lot of personality, which I like. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to make me into a fan of Battle Royale games, especially since I must have played, I don't know, 10 games and got zero kills. Like, I'm that bad. <laughs> zero <laughs> kills. Um, yeah, I don't have the Twitch reflexes as well. Yeah. I just can't do it. Um Oh really? That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm a little too old for that. I just turned thirty-one uh, three days ago. So for me, uh, I can't keep. I just, I just can't keep up with these seventeen-year-olds. It's just way too fast for me. Dude, I'm forty-five. I, th- so that legitimizes my not having my not having any any kills for ten games. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was... Well, at least I can take you on. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> We should have a 17-year-old in our squad and then we would be good to go. I can heal people. That's yeah. what I do. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be monetized with... Uh, uh, it, it It essentially has a an Overwatch-type model, except they're probably going to be... They are selling heroes as well. Um, so that's a little bit different. But you have loot boxes. Uh, but the interesting thing is that um, they went and uh, displayed all of the percentages of everything. So you'd know exactly what chance you have of getting what. Um, so I think that is a, a reaction certainly to the um, issues loot boxes have known for uh, a a while. They've chosen to still Mm -hmm. go the route of loot boxes, but uh, a little bit more uh, transparently. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Well, I guess it is a a free-to-play game. You kind of have to expect them to to make their money in some way, not justifying loot boxes here. Uh, I would have personally preferred just to be able to buy exactly what you want. If it's something particularly rare, they could just bump the price up. If it's, uh, yeah, look, I'm not a huge fan of boxes, loot boxes, to be honest, but they have to make their money some way. So, mm. I mean, it's just like, yeah. the characters were only like $7.50 or $12 or something to unlock as well. Um, I can't remember the exact price. Uh, You do earn Mm. currency in-game that you can uh, unlock the characters with as well. Obviously, you're going to need to play a little bit longer for that. You also earn loot boxes when you level up, uh, so you get that. And obviously, the reason why they went the loot box route is that there's a lot of things that are not very... uh, (laughs) That that is essentially (laughs) trash loot, like some crappy skins for your weapons that you're never going to see or stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I'm, I, I, I've said a few times, I, I think loot boxes are not the... Well, they, there is a way of implementing them uh, not too horribly. Um, so I'm not going to get back mm-hmm. into that conversation. But uh, yeah, the, the fact is they do have loot boxes. We'll see how that works out for them. Uh, so yeah, yeah that's... We would be Apex here all Legends. day. <laughs> yeah, we would. <laughs> and all night. Um, 
I also, I, I wanted to mention, I played uh, Realm Royale uh, as well. I, I played a few games of that. And honestly, I think it might be my favorite uh, Battle Royale game. It, I was very surprised. This is the game from Hi-Rez Studios. It's kind of a der derivative of uh, Paladins, um, which is its own other thing. It reuses the, reuses the assets and certain designs of Paladins. Um, it's not bad at all. It's class-based. You have um, a... Uh, oh, Ed is showing up. Hello, Ed. Someone wakes up at, at, uh, at 7.40, like, way later than he's supposed to. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is incredibly early for you, so maybe we will forgive you. We already talked about Anthem, so sorry about that. Oh, you got... Did you talk about how shitty it is? <laughs> well, Dan <laughs> likes it, and I'm on the fence. Oh, okay, <laughs> you okay. didn't like it clearly. I brought in the negative opinion then. <laughs> <laughs> you you unfortunately didn't get a chance, and maybe that's the universe. Maybe that's EA uh, getting your uh, alarm clock. Oh, they messed up my alarm. Yeah, You're right. Exactly. It you, was you me. didn't like it at all. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was uh, a. A little clunky which is what like bioware games feel like i think anyway mm. and it, it doesn't work out that well for us for what should be a solid shooter and Destiny did you fe always felt good did you play and with I, mouse and keyboard yeah, yeah yeah oh that's why do not play well they said they would fix uh, the flying especially with the mouse and keyboard before uh, it, launch, it wasn't but... even the flying it was more mm. the shooting that was my okay it was a problem with well go 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 back to uh, the beginning of the episode when it's released and and listen to what we had to say uh, i think dantix <laughs> might convince you dan might convince you that there is more to it than that um, I, don't, okay. I don't know if I will in this case, just because mm. uh, I think he prefers the more shooter-focused kind of games. In which case, uh, I don't think Anthem is going to be for him. It's mm. just well, I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I've played, I played plenty of Mass Effect and Dragon Age, so so. Oh, Bioware did you like Mass Effect? Did you like Mass Effect Three? Did you like? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. All right. I, I liked maybe, all of them. Maybe. So I, I just think that the that the shooting, it, it didn't feel good on on a on a piece on the pc at least so i i think that so maybe I, I, and they said the pc version was kind of like not that great so <laughs> well i i maybe will that's my problem i will repeat what i said earlier uh i think the shooting is not the best part of the game and i played it like yeah. destiny for a little bit and and I'm realizing now that you have to play it very differently. You have to be super mobile. You have to play with the abilities a lot more. And if you play it like Destiny, mm -hmm. it's just a mediocre Destiny. So you have to kind of uh, uh, dive into the other aspects of the game to enjoy it if you want to try that. But anyway. Right. I mean, yeah. I, th I think it felt great to fly around. So oh, that, 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 that everyone part, agrees. That part of the yeah. game I loved. <laughs> well, that, that's the part you need to be focusing around, actually. It's, it, you're meant to play really aggressively. You meant to fly around, maneuver, combine with your team, work together, kind of thing. It's it's yeah. if you just sit there and and shoot behind cover, you're just not going to have a good time. Yeah, I think a lot of people had uh, destiny destinyitis or something playing Anthem, and they played it like Destiny, and that's not the way to do it. So, um, hopefully, when the game comes out and people try it, it will be uh, make a, a, a different impressions. But I'll, I'm excited to try the leveling. Uh, 
part of it. Anyway, so we talked about that. We talked about Apex Legends a little bit. Uh, I was now saying that uh, Realm Royale is surprisingly good. Uh, and I, I again, I don't like Battle Royale games. I think the reason why I like Realm Royale is that the aiming is so soft that I could hit, hit targets uh, a lot more consistently <laughs> than in, in other games. Um, so that was good. But uh, yeah, I, I would really recommend people give a, a Realm Royale a try it's it's fun it's got a lot of interesting concepts and it really between that and apex legends it shows the breadth uh, the breadth and depth of uh, the Bell Royale genre. There are so many ways to iterate on that. I think uh, Vince Zampella from Respawn was saying it's it's a genre, and I can't remember who said it, but someone was mentioning you know the the um, in in shooters you've had deathmatch uh, that has been explored to <clears throat> to death. Uh, and and there are millions of variations. Every game has its version of it. Um, and Battle Royale is the same, or even more uh, uh, flexible. So there's, it's not going away. Well, you know, Patrick stating the obvious, but um, yeah, Realm Royale, it's cool. Um, you know what? We're not going to talk about Kingdom Hearts because none of us has played Kingdom Hearts three. But I acknowledge it's a big <laughs> thing. Um, it is super exciting for people who are big fans of Kingdom Hearts. I so don't get it that I can't even bring myself to to discuss it. Uh, I think both of you have enjoyed the previous games. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I think there. I think most of the appeal, uh, especially for um, the people that really really like it, is they they were all pretty young when it first came out. So like combining like all their t- favorite Disney characters with, with their favorite Final Fantasy characters um, was was something that was really strange and appealing and and since then uh it got kind of crazy as far as like the, yeah. the story um uh, is yeah. referred to but uh but i don't know i, I still i still am interested and and want to play it it's just you know one of those things that i'd, I'd have to play kingdom hearts 2 first in order to play it I can't, oh I can't you only played the first one yeah well you'd yeah, have yeah, to play yeah. kingdom hearts one you'd have well the the second one you'd have to play uh birth by sleep, birth by sleep. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. code or recode <laughs> yeah. um which one is the 3d one um Ah, oh, uh, Dream Drop Distance. There you go. A, a bunch of other yeah, ones as well. The, so. In the 2.8 final chapter prologue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've rarely seen so many people excited about something I know rarely, I, I know nothing about. And the thing about Kingdom Hearts is it feels so unwelcoming to new people that it doesn't really want you to, it doesn't feel like it wants you to try to give it a try. And at the same time, it's so faithful to the ones that have... Uh, enjoyed it for so long that it feels like a very uh, satisfying reward for those people, which is great. I'm very happy they, they like it, but uh, yeah. And at some point, hopefully you two will play it and you'll enjoy it too. Uh, I Look, I played, look, I played the first. I didn't play any of the others. I have to say that even playing the first was a bit of a begrudgingly uh, difficult process for me, just because I like Disney and I like Final Fantasy, but I didn't like them together. Oh, I know really? That sounds, yeah, I know that sounds odd, but I just there was something weird about you know seeing Mickey Mouse in this kind of setting. Like, <laughs> I guess I was a little, I guess I was a little older than than um, well, my cousin at the time who was forcing me to play. Uh, <laughs> 
And I just, yeah, I don't know. And now, and these days, I actually don't have the time required to kind of really get into these big JRPG kind of experiences mm. because they are, they are long games. So for me, uh, I understand why people can really enjoy it. There is that nostalgia kick there. Yeah. However, for me personally, I don't think I'll, I'll be giving it a try. Oh. Well, uh, again, this is uh, uh, sadly, there are a million podcasts and, and YouTubers who talk about, uh, about Kingdom Hearts 3, and I'm sure uh, people will get uh, some joy out of it. But sadly, it's not our thing. Uh, and it's rare that you really can't talk about something, even though you, you would want to. But I hesitated. I was like, should I buy it? Should I try it? I was like, no, there are <laughs> other things. Other things like Nintendo. Um, so a bunch of news uh, on, on Nintendo's front, um, some more or less important. Um, first of all, as we all know, Super uh, Smash Brothers Ulti Ultimate sold gangbusters, but I was wondering a few months ago if they could manage to reach their 20 million Switch target for the fiscal year, uh, which ends in March, and it seems they won't. They have revised their uh, target to 17 million, which isn't bad, but it's not the 20 million they uh, had promised. Um, so that's one thing. There's uh, Dr. Mario coming to mobile. Mario Kart has been delayed on mobile. I, why not, Dr. Mario? I could uh, play that a little bit. Um, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of things that... Oh, all right. Last... Remember last episode we were talking um, with Emma and I said there's this game on PC called CrossCode. It's really fun. Uh, maybe you should give it a try. And I, I'm pretty sure I saw the developer uh, say that they can't bring it on Switch because of some coding issue. Uh, so for once, you can feel free to buy a game on PC because you know it's not going to be coming on Switch. What happened during the Nintendo Big Direct? Big fat liar. <laughs> it's coming on Switch in 2019. I'm so angry. Um, there's, uh, there's rumors about a, a second version of the Switch that are now surfacing after uh, the president, Kimishima, said he wasn't going to release a, a, a new version of the Switch. So I don't know what to believe anymore because clearly they're working on one it's very obvious they always do this but i don't know maybe wait before it's probably going to be a more portable version um there's also i do want to talk about the metroid prime 4 delay but before that some of the games that were announced there's a uh, steam world quest a kind of uh rpg deck building game um and yeah, wargroove which uh, in the, obviously, in the Steam World yeah. universe, uh, Wargroove, which Dan, you've been playing. Um, it's yeah, essentially me too. advanced war. Oh, you've been playing it too, Ed. Okay, Dan, yeah, yeah, what yeah, do yeah. you think of it? Uh, I think it's actually pretty. Look, from what I played so far, it's actually really fun. And it's fun for me because I'm used to games like uh, Advanced Wars, which have you tactically deciding uh, how to approach any given situation in a in a wartime kind of era. It, with with Wargroove, it, it's instead of using tanks and planes and stuff, you use essentially people, and they have different classes that you can use, like a swordsman, uh, spearman, uh, war dogs even, uh, and they cutely run off when they get attacked instead of being destroyed, which is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the developer... But the developer said that like he got feedback during playtesting that like the dogs dying were sad so they <laughs> yeah. they change they change it so the dogs just run away instead yeah that makes a lot of sense cuz it's so much easier now to, i wouldn't have built them if they got killed so yeah <laughs> but essentially essentially you 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 it's a 2d 
kind of a strategy game wherein you you pick where your kind of units or what your units are and where yes. they get built and you, you you try to eliminate the enemy essentially and it's a turn-based kind of strategy experience uh and uh some of the later missions get quite intensive i think i spent an hour on one mission nice wow so yeah, does, I mean, it, the... does it uh, scratch your uh, advanced war itch satisfactorily um, it, it most it most certainly does the, the only negative that i that i have right now for it is that you don't get to choose your commander in the storyline you don't get to choose who you get to play as that is my only only mm. gripe ed you seem to be liking yeah. it as well yeah, I, I mean, there there have been a lot of uh, Advance Wars kind of clones that have tried have tried to like meet the metal of Advance Wars, but I think this one does it uh, kind of kind of better than all, all the rest. I, I think it all all the stuff that it, that Advance Wars does does right, like um, compared to like a, a game like Fire Emblem. So Fire Emblem is very similar um, grid based uh, strategy, but. Um, in advanced wars, I think the the one thing that's kind of different is that as you get as you get attacked by your enemies or as you attack enemies, the unit itself gets weaker because it's like it's supposed to be like a little mini army, right? So like when when they get down to half their health, only half the guys are there now. So it kind of changes up your your dynamic and and uh, uh, when you're like trying to figure out what your next move is um so it's it's very it's very cool i've only played like a couple chapters of it um but i'm very excited to get to those harder chapters like uh what dan is talking about yeah and it's available on uh, the xbox one the switch and the pc uh and it mm -hmm. was released when they announced it <laughs> well not when they announced it. it's it's been mm -hmm. announced a while ago but uh they said they didn't have a release date and then they were like february 1st available go ahead have fun <laughs> <laughs> and you have the switch get it on the switch that's all yeah, I yeah, yeah. that's it's always great. the answer which which yeah cursed me with cross code um although it's available in 2019 but we don't know when so maybe it's uh, it's gonna be a while um the other thing i wanted to talk about was this delay of metroid prime 4 um which is I think obviously a good thing um, because they weren't happy with the way Bandai Namco was handling it. It had already been moved from one team, I think from Indonesia. I don't want to say something stupid, so maybe I shouldn't talk at all ever. Uh, but yeah, it was moved back to Japan. <laughs> and now Retro Studios, the original developers of the Metroid Prime series, pitched something to Nintendo that they liked. So Nintendo decided, you know what, we're just going to scrap everything start back from scratch and uh metroid prime 4 is not going to be available until forever uh it's probably going to take you know three four years um which is obviously the thing to do if you're not satisfied with the way the the uh, project is going um and the reason i wanted to mention it there there isn't a lot to say beyond that but for me personally, having the close connection that I do with uh, Blizzard, uh, it, it echoes very clearly the um, request that gamers made when Diablo Immortal was announced for at least an announcement of Diablo 4. I have, you know, a slide showing the logo and that's it. And we would have been happy. And I think they would have been. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but... Yep. I also have a big problem with that practice because there is something a little bit, um, maybe dishonest is a little bit of a strong word, but when Nintendo showed the Metroid Prime 4 slide, uh, knowing that it was sorely in development and that these kinds of things happen, 
it is, you know, it, it tells gamers the game is coming in a reasonably timely fashion and it does influence people thinking you know what i'm gonna maybe it's not gonna convince someone to get a switch uh from one day to the next but it pushes it a little bit and now the game is it, it was announced in what 2017 uh, and it's not going to be out probably until 2021 2022 it doesn't sit well with me and it's just, it's the same with uh, elder scrolls 6 uh you know they showed mm. something that has probably nothing to do with the actual game uh, again probably to uh make the pill of elder scrolls blades the mobile game uh easier to swallow and i understand the reasoning behind it but i want to you know it it feels i don't know does it do you guys feel the same way or am I alone in this? That showing the game so I, early is... Go ahead. They, like you were saying, there is definite benefits for it. Like if they did show Diablo uh, 4 being worked on, uh, even just a little teaser, the pill would have been easier to swallow. But like, like you said, they should only do it if there is, you know, it's being worked on, if at least it's in development stage or at least, you know, the, 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 it's writing you know, it's it's up on the um, whiteboard. Well, we so know to speak. it's being you know, developed, you, just like Metroid Prime yeah. was being developed. But it was so far from release that this kind of thing can happen. And then you're like, yeah, I mean, they didn't say a release date, but sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going. No, no, no. Continue. Sorry. So yeah, I it just feels not icky again. Icky is a strong word, but it feels like yeah. Well, this is what happens. You know, if you're not certain, you're closing in on, on uh, you know, release maybe a year from now, which could be late, which means, you know, a year and a half or two years, you are not certain of this. And it's using this as marketing material in a way that is that doesn't sit well with me. Anyway, maybe that's just what uh, yeah. I meant. I don't know. I, 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 I'm okay with having an early announcement in the, in the building hype for, for something. Like, I, I, in if the fact that Nintendo was was willing to, like, kind of sit on their laurels or whatever that phrase is to like <laughs> i like sitting like on their actually, laurels that that works yeah sure but but like they they basically came out and was like hey we i guess we messed up like we we're gonna need some more time um but they didn't the mess up they didn't no, i'm sorry they didn't mess up they announced something that wasn't ready to be announced for hype purposes and I understand this gets gamers hyped, but don't you think it's kind of deceptive if then the game doesn't come out for five or six years? No, okay. they never gave it a release date. All they gave, sure. all they, they didn't even give a trailer. All mm. they gave was a little logo and said like, hey, this thing is happening. Like you've been asking us for the past 10 years. This thing is happening. Finally, this is the thing you want. Like you might have to Dear. wait a little while to get it, but like <laughs> this exists at least. That, that's 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 exciting. Do you remember Duke Nukem Forever? <laughs> well, yeah, sh sure, sure. I mean, no, that, I, just I, because it's coming out doesn't mean that it's going to be fantastic or anything like that. But Metroid Prime has never been something that like sells a sells a bunch of consoles anyway. It, it's yeah. never been a, a a really big seller. So the idea that they they like announced it just for, to swell, sell some switches is like completely unfounded in my opinion they they announced it because the fans were clamoring for it and they were they want to like make their fans happy <laughs> yeah but if it's not coming out for five or six years i don't know it uh, well okay maybe i'm alone in this but it feels <laughs> weird mm. uh look if they said hey we're actually gonna rush through it it's gonna be ready in a year would you be happy with that 
Of, of course not. I would rather they announce it when they're relatively confident that it's coming out within a couple of years. You know, I I don't like the idea. I, I, it's not even that I don't like it. Maybe I'm, you know, trying to... Maybe I've been sold to Blizzard because I worked there and all of this and I, I'm trying to justify it with uh, every mean I can. It's possible. But it's really the way I feel. I feel like announcing this, it's the same with Elder Scrolls Six. It's like, you don't have anything to show. You're kind of announcing that you're working on it and you're hyping people with vaporware, kind of. Well, maybe not vaporware because they are working on it, but I, I don't mean, know. I'm... They didn't. Int- they didn't exactly intend for the game to take this long, you know. Like ma- maybe that's know. a I... little bit different of a of a marketing ploy mm. than than the Diablo thing. Like they, Blizzard knew that it was going to take that long. It sounds like they were they were like maybe fifty percent done with with development, and they were like, "This isn't going to work," and then they they canned it. You know, like yeah. like I think of like. Like plenty of developers or publishers, rather, they announce like games in at E three like way, way, way in advance, mm. and then um, they don't come and out. Then, it's yeah, and then they don't they don't come out, or they do come out. Like I, I, I would say, like Anthem would be an example of something that like oh, it just had a little uh, trailer at E three, but like no possible release date or anything like that. Mm. And the next year, EA showed more gameplay. Like yeah, you know? but the, the game they had something to show, which is not the case with Metroid Prime Four. Clearly, Diablo. I mean, all 4, they had the first or, year was or, a cinematic trailer. They didn't show any gameplay. They didn't the first year they announced it. No, are you sure? No, are you talking about the two thousand and seventeen trailer yeah. or? Yeah, uh, I believe I believe that did have gameplay. Yeah, I um, but so. now people people are now comparing that. Yeah, I picked the, the wrong gameplay. example. <laughs> yeah, uh, are no, comparing that I, to what? I get your point. Uh, uh, well, the, the, there's a few uh, videos out there comparing the the first initial 2017 trailer with the actual uh, gameplay, and like many yeah. games, it doesn't look the same. Yeah, yeah. that's normal though. I, yeah. yeah, that is completely normal. Yeah. I guess I just picked the wrong right. example. Yeah, I mean, no, Look, I'm I between both of you here. I'm yeah. between both of you here, uh, completely. Because on one hand, it's like, yeah, look, they 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 kind of do that, and you can't really control their schedules, and um, it, it's okay to be hyped a little bit. It's okay to know that the game's coming, but then on the same in the same regard, it's like I don't really want to know until I, I mm. you know until it's like a year away or two years away where it's not going to take me that long to get what I want, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's something to see and something to be excited about without... It feels a little bit manipulative for me. But uh, yeah, I, I might be painting a picture of uh, that is not actually reflecting. Because, you know, it's fine that they announced Metroid Prime. It's just that it, it leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. It's not like I'm now hating Nintendo and Bethesda and don't want to see anything they ever do again. Um, It's just like, yeah, I'd rather you didn't handle it like that. But okay, whatever. Anyway, so that was uh, the thing I wanted to talk about uh, with Nintendo's news. And now there's a bunch of smaller tidbits I want to go over. Uh, The first one is uh, the Rage 2 gameplay that we've seen. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that, that gameplay sequence, it is crazy. It's like yeah. I expected nothing from Rage, and now I am extremely hyped. Well, maybe extremely is exaggerating, but I'm quite excited to see it because it feels like... Remember what Doom felt like putting you in the middle of crazy action all the time? It feels like, it feels like Doom squared, like Doom on Doom, like it's yeah. Dooming what, what Doom did. Uh, it, it feels like I'm going to need a break from the game after about an hour. It feels yeah. super intense, doesn't it? 
Yeah. And <laughs> and maybe that's the editing of all of the powers put together. But it feels like some kind of superhero quake or superhero like Mad Max, I don't know, but but like you have all those crazy powers, you throw people in the air, you, uh, you know, I don't know, make uh, magic things explode everywhere. It's hard yep. to describe, yep. but I didn't expect it's it to unashamedly uh, like bloodlust satisfying. That's mm. where it is. It's just like if you if you have the need to just absolutely take out your rage on something, yeah. <laughs> I'm not intended. It's it, it seems to be that kind of game. And um mm. I, I'm kind of excited to play it, honestly. Me too. And I didn't think I was going to be, but that three minutes of, of gameplay just kind of uh, kind of did it for me. Um, well, we have a few months uh, until it comes out. It's May 14th. Uh, what else? Valve uh, is... <laughs> I might be showing my bias <laughs> here. Is, is crying tears of sadness over the fact that it is super unfair for uh, Metro Exodus to be available on the Epic Game Store and not on uh, the Steam Store. Now, okay, a little bit of context. It was available <laughs> <Yeah>. for pre-order. <laughs> it would have, if Metro Exodus is a highly anticipated game uh, available for pre-order on Steam for a long while, and now it's been announced that it is not going to be released on Steam. It's only going to be released on the Epic Game Store, or at least for a period of about a year. That's what we expect. Uh, of course, the people who pre-ordered it on Steam will be able to play it on Steam, including the uh, additional content that is going to come after release. Uh, but a lot of gamers aren't happy about this, um, and and they would like to be able to buy it on Steam. And uh, the you know Valve is it, it released a statement saying it was unfair to Steam customers, as I mentioned, and uh, it a, a big series of messy statements followed from the developer and the mm. editor and the uh, the publisher and some saying oh we didn't make that decision and we're not going to comment but they did comment anyway uh and etc etc bottom line uh the game is going to be releasing as a probably time exclusive on epic after having had pre-order on steam um yeah they did say they did say it was going to be for a, for a year Right. Like, okay. So that's been confirmed. So exactly, exactly one year. Uh, the, I have a problem with the way they kind of uh, unveiled this news. I guess, mm. uh, like the fact that they they basically just very last minute they knew. It seems like they knew it was going to be an, an unpopular decision, but at the very yeah. very last minute before, uh, like after this game has been on Steam, has been advertised on Steam for forever, they're like, oh, we're, we're not doing it. We're not doing it, and and I I'm gonna kind of change my tune that I had I think the last time I was on this podcast about the benefits of the Epic Game Store as far as like competition and all that stuff. This isn't competition. This is very anti-competitive actually. To yes, to basically buy I uh, developers into publishing exclusively on your store that does nothing good for competition because it just it just means that Epic who's willing to spend all that extra money to to get exclusives on their store is going to win out and it doesn't matter what the rest of the store does because the only way to get that game this is a publisher's version of pay to win basically (laughs) yeah i mean so so i i will commend i will commend uh i think it's deep silver right is the um about the publisher yeah i I will commend deep silver they gave the ten dollar discount on the epic game store because they get the bigger cut 
on there. So I will commend them for doing that at least, but that is going to be a rarity in a capitalist system. <laughs> They're always going to yep. just go for the $60 price mark because that's what people are willing to pay for games. Okay, Dan, yeah, look, I, I, yeah, look I, I agree. I don't like the way that they, they handled this whole situation. Uh, I think it would have been better just to concede and just put them on both stores, honestly. But yeah. the way that the public reacted, I will completely condemn. I, I don't think it's right to go to a previous game on Steam and just, you know, bomb it, <laughs> downvote, bomb it. Bomb it. It's just, it's just so immature. It's like, yes, you're unhappy, and you, you've got every right to be unhappy, but don't do that. Like, there's developers that were involved in that game that had nothing to do with the business decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, yeah, I have to say, the, sure. the 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 competitive nature of it. Like, I I agree that. Okay, it feels like again a gamer. Um, uh, uh, somewhat childish gamer reaction i understand it's inconvenient to go to the epic store uh and to download it i understand there are less features on the epic store and and yes in this case it was available on the steam store first and then it was pulled but everyone who bought it on the steam store can get it uh those uh, the thing is from the competitive nature of it steam has a monopoly a de facto monopoly on uh, the 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 attention of gamers, and that's why they are unhappy because they want to get the thing from the place they always get it. So, without the possibility for Epic to indeed pay for an exclusive, it wouldn't. It probably would be a lot more difficult to attract gamers away from Steam. Uh, I mean, the price guess, obviously man, would be something. Would, would yeah, be, like uh, if it, let's but, say. Let's just say, a second, Ed. Let yeah, just let yeah, me finish. The, people don't realize the the fact, and I love Valve, I, I love Steam, I use it all the time, but it is also true that they have benefited from this uh, standard 30% cut from across the industry and have made a lot, a lot, and a lot of money off of it for what I think is not... I, I might be speaking out of turn, but it doesn't seem like they are, have been improving the platform to the extent that they that it requires 30% of the giant <laughs> revenue that they're making. And they've been benefiting from that de facto, uh, again, um, uh, monopoly in a way that is super anti-competitive. So the fact that they then come and cry crocodile tears of oh it's unfair to seem customers you've been unfair to the entire industry for you know a decade and yes the way the the market works is that a competitor should arrive and shake things up and a competitor hasn't arrived until now so you know it's not valve's fault that that hasn't happened but now that one has come and the only way to get people away from uh, steam is by yes buying timed exclusives. Uh, it it it's not unfair. It's exactly the way the market should work, and I don't think it's anti-consumer. It's uh, uh, very much pro-consumer because if the consumers of those stores are the developers, they 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 are getting more money out of this and. Obviously, the big AAA uh, uh, games are not going to give the money back to the gamers, but some people will, like they did in the US in the case of Metro Exodus, and some of the smaller developers might as well. I mean, this is the market working as it should. Staying forever with Steam is not healthy. So, 
Yes, it's not the ideal situation for this specific case, but and it wasn't super well handled, maybe, but I can't bring myself to side with either Valve or the gamers that are condemning uh, uh, the move in this case. Yeah, I mean, like, but the, the fact that that they were willing to do the ten dollar price cut in the U.S. as we yeah. as we've said, like that should be like enough for gamers to feel like it's good enough. It's more right. about it? the handling. It, yeah. it is, but it's it's more about the handling of how it, it kind of yeah. went down. Um, I guess the thing is, like, if it was on the Epic Game Store for for this whole time, it, like ever since the like Epic Game Store like, started to get super popular. Um, and it was always fifty dollars. Like that is a competitive practice. That that is mm. saying like, hey, we get more money out of the Epic Game Store, so we're willing to pass that along. Let and then let the the market decide. Hey, the market. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend fifty dollars on here. Mm. Uh, no, 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 no. This isn't the market deciding. Like the market being the consumer market, not not the not the seller market. Yes, the, the, but but the, the stores are look at this and go it's cheaper here. But the stores have two here, masters so or two two customers. They have the the developers and the the final, you know, uh customers. The developers yeah, are customers sure. as well and this is a market uh, an element of the market too. Anyway, Dan, anything to add uh before we move on? Uh once once again, I am between both <laughs> of you here. I I, f- I was just sitting back because one of you was saying my opinion the other one was saying my opinion. So, look, mm-hmm. uh, for me, uh, Ed makes uh, a lot of sense when he says let the let the market work itself out. Because to me, it's if it is ten dollars cheaper, then yeah, I might consider getting it on the Epic Store. Whereas uh, a, a lot of people who prefer just to have all their games on one platform, like Steam, uh, would gladly pay that extra ten dollars. And I think that's a, a good practice because, frankly, I don't like having like a billion platforms right now. I just forget I have certain games and i forget to play them because i i just can't juggle the amount of platforms i think we'll be talking true, a different story no but that wait yeah. that the 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 competition if you want to have competition on the pc you are going to have different sellers it's impossible not to to, to have competition without different sellers right For so sure. it's it is yeah. going to happen um if you want competition otherwise valve is going to reign supreme forever yeah, I, I just think that there would be a different story if, like, Epic came in and was like, "Hey, uh, games that are normally sixty dollars, we're gonna make them. We're gonna set the price point to, let's say, fifty or fifty-five dollars. Like, that's gonna be the standard on our platform." No, but they don't. That is also money. not. That is also not uh, uh, the the way things work. They, if you want to let the market decide, you let developers. You're forgetting that developers are customers of those stores as well, um, and they didn't have an option until now. And it should be for them to decide how they're going to price the, the the games. If they want to price it sixty dollars and keep, you know, the the extra revenue that they can make on the Epic Store, they should have that choice as well. Anyway, okay, I'll I'll shut up and let you say the last words, and then I'll move on. I mean, I, I've already kind of said, said okay. my piece, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, go ahead, Dan. I, I don't I, want to say that. It's not terrible. It's definitely not terrible that mm. we have like multiple things. I'm worried about fracture fracturing uh in particular, uh but it, it's not terrible that we have all these multiple clients mm. that are and and they're competing for for our dollars. That, that 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 obviously makes sense. It just seems like when when Epic goes through all these extra steps of like paying for exclusivity on their store, 
then it, it just comes off as a little anti-competitive. So that's that's my that's my take. Okay. I think you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> I feel a testy today. I feel I feel like I need to prove myself. I slept in for 40 minutes. Now I need to throw some punches. That's that's a good way to approach the show. Um, as long as they're kind punches, like you, you don't go too hard on me. They're, they're friendly, friendly jabs. Excellent. Um, so what would be the what would be the middle ground between you two here? Um, just 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 out of curiosity, so what would be the middle ground? I think I think we're going to get to the middle ground uh, because developers are soon not going to be in that situation anymore where they had a pre-order on the Steam store and just when they decide where to get the pre-orders up, uh, they will decide where to do it from the get-go. Um, and I think that's the, 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 the that Metro Exodus issue is an outlier. We're going to have issues where maybe the game is going to be available on both platforms and maybe the game is only going to be available, available on, on uh, uh, the Epic Store. I don't think it's often going to be available on the Steam Store only unless you're smaller developer um but yeah the, the middle ground we're going to get to it and it's going to the, the thing that stings is probably the fact that it was available and then it wasn't uh the thing that stings yeah, the most yeah, mm. yeah. And, and if they continue the trend this trend i mean trend is a overstatement but the ten dollar thing uh if that continues like that that could be a game changer in the market yeah i wouldn't get my hopes up <laughs> yeah sure sure i mean sure but like if that happens, if that happens yeah. with more developers, that puts actual pressure on Valve That's to true. drop their. It doesn't, uh, it, it, it doesn't just need to be a ten dollar cheaper benefit. It could be, hey, if you purchase on the Epic Store, we'll give you an in-game cosmetic, mm. for example, and yeah, that might sure. encourage people. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, like, I've, I've said my piece, but like, it, <laughs> the fact the fact that but you Epic slept for like, forty extra minutes, yeah, so you yeah. have to add to it. Yeah. So the fact that that. Epic is willing to give like an extra cut to developers should be enough. They shouldn't also have to like just throw money at these developers. Well, that's too. That to shows you the power of Steam's monopoly. That is exactly yeah, the reason. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you know what is another monopoly? Apple. And they are apparently um, uh, thinking about... First of all, there, there might be an iPod Touch uh, with a strong uh, gaming aspect marketing that is going oh, to be released, nice. which is, I think, pretty clever. Um and I'm not a mobile gamer, but, you know, they exist in our universe. Um, and they're also thinking about, apparently, a subscription service, which might be with uh, games downloads or even game streaming. Um, and and it, the discussions might still be in early stages. It began in, in the second half of last year. Uh, but, yeah, gaming subscription service on mobile... I don't think I'm uh, wrong in saying that we might not be the, the primary target, but it's an interesting idea, I think. Uh, this is one of those things that I want to touch with like a 10-foot pole because I feel like I'm just going to be super negative, which is normally not my thing. I just don't like mobile gaming. I just don't think I ever will and I don't understand it. Yeah. And I, I'm not the demographic. So yeah. It depends on the monetization it. of it. Like like if we're talking about like these games that, that always try to nickel and dime you, like if you pay for a subscription service, then like maybe you don't have to go through all that microtransaction stuff. Like that stuff... I mean, if that that would be cool if that's the thing, but we just don't know enough about it yeah, to actually yeah. like make a real, real judgment. I think. Yeah, at this that's, point. it. Feels that's, like yeah. Go ahead, Dan. It feels it feels like at this point, mobile gaming hasn't reached the stage that uh, the other platforms are at, where it it doesn't 
some games on other platforms feel like they aren't just taking you for a ride. Whereas all the popular mobile games that I've, I've tried and I've played feel like they're designed to give you quick gratification in order to get a quick purchase. And I, I yeah. just don't like that. Yeah, I mean, the mindset that's, of the two different game types is like completely different. That's certainly... Like, yeah. From the developer point of view. Yeah, that's certainly the majority uh, of the popular um, mobile games. I think the the one thing that was interesting to me is that if there is a subscription, I'm sure it would be, you know, uh, uh, cheaper than a Netflix subscription or, or something like that. Maybe it would be a, yeah. a PlayStation Plus type deal where you pay five bucks a month or, or something like that. But um, regardless, I wonder if it could help for the monetization because maybe it would get people, uh, some developers to get some money out of it uh, from the get-go, I don't know exactly how those deals work, um, but I don't think they could get away with offering a subscription to games that are free to play otherwise and just give you, you know, a bunch of gems or whatever for your subscription. It it would seem like they would need to include games that you would you would have had to pay for uh, otherwise, and maybe that could lead to um, something a little bit more healthy on that store. I, I don't know what else they could do, but it feels like that would that wouldn't work if they only gave you access to you know packs in in free to play yeah. games. It would have to be something pretty substantial because right now the big draw of mobile games is a lot of them are free. You can exactly. just jump in, download games, and play for free. To actually take money for subscription, it has to be substantial. And I have a feeling it's just going to be stuff like achievements. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really care too much for that. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll have to to wait and see, but uh, it, that would be the positive development there. But it's I, I don't know. Um, uh, talking about achievements, uh, Microsoft has essentially announced through a uh, program for GDC, which is happening in March, uh, the Game Developers Conference. They are going to be giving a talk about the expansion of the Xbox Live SDK, which provides your friends list, your achievement list, um, and uh, there will also be some elements of crossplay. Um, between, of course, the Xbox and, and the Windows PC and the Switch and the mobile platforms of iOS and Android, which is weird. It means that we're going to be able to log into Xbox Live in games on those platforms and get, as I mentioned, our friend list, some achievements. We've seen a little bit of this with the um, the, the different versions of Minecraft that all use, including on Switch, um, all use the Xbox Live network. But um, mm. it, it follows the policy of Satya Nadella, the... the uh, CEO of Microsoft for the last five years who wants to have Microsoft be the infrastructure of everything and be present everywhere. Uh, but for games, it's certainly novel and different. I don't even know if I care all that much. I'm not a big Xbox person, but I guess having the Xbox Live, if you're into that ecosystem everywhere, is is kind of cool. Um, it's, it's Does it mean games, thing. though? Does it, does, does it mean you can play certain Xbox games on, on your Switch. Does, is it, will, will that be a thing or will it just be... Well, I mean, uh, no, obviously the first step. And on the Switch, I don't think it will happen. But if you take into account the uh, cloud streaming services that everyone is working on, including yeah, Microsoft... what I mean. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, maybe not on the Switch, yeah. but on your iOS device or Android or... I don't know. Yeah. It's... Hmm. Um, I mean, just the possibilities of getting more, uh, more games onto like just the PC that were went, went, Xbox exclusives before is kind of neat. I th- it seems like or they're what if they, expanding. What if they, that, what yeah. if they put backwards compatibility, like that kind of? 
thing but this on is, the so Windows. The, that SDK is just for the Xbox Live, uh, you know, communications, like social network kind of. You oh, know? okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not like you're going to have the Xbox Live arcade games that are going to be included in all of this. It's just the... That's why it's so weird. It's not the games. It's just the the wrapper around their um, uh, communications layer. So, hmm. I don't know. Um, hey, have you heard about uh, Auto Chess? Yes, I have played it. Okay. What the hell is that game everyone is talking about? I have no uh, idea. Okay, well, look, it, it it seems like it just exploded overnight, doesn't it? it mm. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, it's a look, mod for Dota or what? Yeah, so in Dota, in Dota 2, you can uh, jump into it and, and make some custom maps. And this is essentially a custom map uh, programmed by some pretty clever people. Essentially, what you do is uh, you get offered certain heroes at the start of the game. You pick your hero and you place it on a board. Then enemies will spawn and your hero will proceed to kill them or die. And uh, it's like a tower defense. Once uh, you're, once you let enough creatures hit your, your dude, you're dead. But mm. the twist is you're against, uh, I think it's uh, six, seven, eight other people. And every now and then you fight the heroes that they've put out on the field. And there's little mechanics like uh, certain heroes will uh, give benefits to to other heroes if there's a certain amount of them. Or uh, the positioning will matter based on, on which is range and which is melee. And there's just kind of this strategy behind it. Banking gold for a certain amount of time will, will increase the amount of gold you get overall. And it, it's kind of like this, uh, when, when they say auto chess, they mean the combat auto resolves and you're making the strategic decisions. That's essentially what it is. Right. So it's kind of a mix between a tower defense card game and Dota. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It yeah. takes the Dota law. It uh, has like a card game feel about you picking heroes, like playing cards. And yeah, it does have that tower defense aspect for the auto resolve. Mm. Well, I wanted to mention it because it is getting in incredibly popular and uh i think it might be spun out into its own game fairly soon because everyone's talking about it so um yeah all the tops the top streamers are all all on twitch right now playing it so i mean something's happening there definitely uh quantic dream has (laughs) remember a couple of episodes ago and basically every episode we talk about uh netties or tencent investing in a western company well quantic dream has uh received a a pretty big investment from netties which means uh the quantic dream games won't be exclusive to uh, sony anymore (laughs) because obviously netties uh wants games on as many platforms as possible so I mean, n- not a lot more to say beyond the fact that the Chinese, the two Chinese companies are uh, continuing to uh, own everything in the world, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, we were talking it's about... Sad. It's okay. I don't know if it's sad. I, I, I hope it won't be, I guess. Uh, I hope they won't demand... They already have the market that they come from so i hope they want to get into our market and they won't transform our games into their games right does that make sense maybe um we were talking about loot boxes which uh, apex legends is gonna have well fortnite not fortnite battle royale but fortnite save the world is uh removing 
blind loot boxes. So what, what's going to be happening is that um, they are going to show you what items are coming in the next loot box you open. And you can choose to buy it, of course, or not buy it, and it refreshes every so often, maybe every uh, day or so. Uh, of course, you might want to buy it to get the things that are in the next loot box, but it's a little bit better, I suppose. Um, you, it's not a blind loot box, the first one you're buying anymore. And actually, you can buy one and you're going to see what's going to be happening in the other one and decide if you buy that one as well. It's a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, I like better. that. Yeah. I like it. I think that's better than than, than it actually being invisible. In, in, yeah. in which case, you'd be like, oh, yeah, look, I'm really looking for this particular thing. Uh, I see it there, then I'm going to drop a bit of money. I think it might even incentivize more sales. People that wouldn't typically buy a loot box might be incentivized to do so because they know they're going to get what they want. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of it like that, but you're right. It becomes like a, a pack that you can buy or not. Um, obviously, the people who want an item might still want to buy a lot of loot boxes because you don't know what's going to be coming in the, the one after. So it kind of removes mm -hmm. it from one, but it gives a possibility for people who want to know so. Uh, and talking about Fortnite, again, every episode I have to talk about something incredible that Fortnite does to to sustain its uh, success. The Marshmallow concert, Marshmallow is an, uh, uh, he's a DJ, he does uh, um, electronic music. He, he partnered with Epic to do a, a concert in Fortnite. It lasted for about 10 minutes. While it lasted, everyone playing Fortnite could go to that giant stage and see marshmallow the dj modeled and modeled like his movements were being tra uh, transcribed in the game in real time and we were hearing we they were hearing the the music live like it's first of all it's crazy that this happened because it's kind of fun and silly and and it never happened in that way before and second of all again epic and fortnite being so inventive and creative in the way they get people to enjoy and talk about the game they continue to, i when i think oh all right you know they've amazed me with what they they're doing even though i don't play fortnite battle royale i, I really don't like it but when I think they've amazed me enough for this year or last year or whatever, they keep amazing me more. This was a, a really clever way of doing it. Oh, yeah. This kind of behavior needs to be encouraged. I personally don't play Fortnite. I personally don't enjoy it. But when they do things like this, that's just, it's, it's clever. It's inventive. It draws the community together. If other developers see that they can do events like this, live events like this, then I might encourage them in other games. And I'm completely for that. Yeah. It's, it was really fun. If you have an opportunity, go watch the video. Everyone's dancing and doing emotes and stuff by the uh, stage. And then when the concert ends, it's only 10 minutes. Everyone's uh, dropped from the sky again, and they proceed to obviously shoot each other. But um, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a new as Dragon Ball. As you do, obviously. There's a new Dragon Ball game in the works. It's an RPG this time. We don't know much, but I know there are Dragon Ball uh, fans in the audience, so I wanted to mention it. Dragon Ball Project Z. Enigmatic. Uh, but it's an RPG. The graphics look interesting. We'll see uh, what happens. Uh, PlayStation Plus is pretty cool for this month. It has Hitman, highly, highly uh, acclaimed game. Uh, it's from a few years ago, but it's still very relevant. For Honor is also available. Uh, I don't know which version it is. It might be the starter version. Um, but For Honor, which is also one of those games that has a super active community uh, that the game wasn't incredible when it launched, but Ubisoft kept working on it. And um, there are a lot of people who really like it. 
and uh, it the the cloud storage you get from your PlayStation Plus has been upped to 10 gigabytes. So if you do, sorry, to 100 gigabytes. So if you had more than 10 gigabytes of game saves that you needed to save, then now you should be okay. I don't know who. And does. all the rest of that will be taken up by Red Dead Redemption too. <laughs> Clearly, um, <laughs> yeah. So those those are pretty cool. Um, two final things: uh, Resident Evil TV series. We're gonna get that at Netflix. I don't know what to think about this. I'm both excited <laughs> and scared. But uh, what? Why not? Netflix has shown that they can make good things. But um, I think you'll be excited and scared while you're watching it as well. That's, <laughs> probably. <laughs> that's the intention. Um, you know, if you, would... if you played the Resident Evil 2, that, if it's if it's look, if it's like that, if it, if they actually uh, make it true to the actual source material, I'd be happy to watch it. But if they and they do like a, a Titans thing, I, I'm I'm not into that. I might be excited even more if they do it like the original Resident Evil and make it super campy and, you know, like super badly acted on purpose. Uh, no, that, that would be terrible. Uh, but yeah, no, Resident Evil 2. I mean, what a... I, we mentioned it, I think, last episode, but what a way to show the world how to do a remake. It is incredible in the way it... Uh, it, it it is faithful to the original one and changes just enough to bring it into the modern age while not changing the uh, uh, nature of it. It's amazing. Maybe they can. They did a fantastic job with it. Yeah. I, I, I love, look, usually I wouldn't like a remake uh, to that kind of game, but they, they made me a believer with, yeah. with that. And that's saying a lot. So, uh, okay. Last bit of news. We all know, you love esports. Everyone love e- loves esports. And the one thing that everyone loves as well is Farming Simulator, obviously. <laughs> so what was missing from our gamer lives was the Farming Simulator Esports League, which is now a reality. So we're all super happy. Um, all right. <laughs> I laugh and I joke, but Farming Simulator is incredibly popular, admittedly mostly in Germany, and they're weird. But um, I, I love my German friends. But <laughs> like they sold a million copies in a month of Farming Simulator 2019, and this is yeah. really clever. Like they're they're putting up a little bit of money. It's like 250,000 euros as a, a, a prize pool for Farming oh, Simulator. Just a little sports. bit, 250,000. <laughs> That's nothing. Well, when you compare it to other esports, I guess is what I should like have said. Like Dota 2, where it's <laughs> exactly. that's like the third place prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you count it well, in it's millions. A 10 million? Yeah. It was 10 the, million well, last year for first place. Uh, yeah, it's like the, the total prize pool is something like 15 million. It goes up every year with the Invitational, but uh, yeah. the uh, International uh, Invitational, I can never remember that name. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I really like it because. Why not? You know, like building your farm faster than the person before and like reaching the 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 pig headcount that you that is your goal faster than the person before you're playing against. It's not more dumb than getting capturing the point in Overwatch or killing the enemy team in in Dota or or League of Legends. I mean, yes, it may no. be a little bit more funny, but why not? There are tons of people playing this game, and it's uh, you know making uh, uh, it's getting a, a easy uh, 
press and and media for uh, a farming simulator i think it's pretty clever and it's pretty funny i think i think it's brilliant have you seen uh games done quick yes yes they yeah they 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 raise millions they raise millions for doctors without borders and other charities essentially they can uh in a few in a few different uh streams they'll have uh two three four people going against each other to race through a game and it might be mario for example and everyone's playing mario together and trying to get to the end as fast as they can and obviously these are speed runners so they they, they essentially break the game to get through it very quickly right but with something like farming simulator i think uh competitively speed running through it would be quite interesting to watch i, I would watch it yeah yeah it, i mean i would probably not have thought about watching farming simulator if I, i'm not saying i will now but i might and uh that is more than i would have said uh, a week ago so there you go uh we are all super excited for farming simulator competitions <laughs> who would have thought and that brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much for listening before we uh leave i want to thank uh very uh, uh warmly dan for being on the show and somewhat warmly uh ed as well because he was late so you get a little bit less <laughs> yeah, of a dan warm, for being on time ed not so much <laughs> and uh and give you a chance to tell us where we can find more of you uh dan i mentioned your uh channel is called dentix very cleverly um anything else or what yeah, can so people uh, find on the channel? So on, on slash Dantix right now, I'm doing a bit of Anthem content, but you can expect stuff like uh, Rage and uh, Cyberpunk and, st- uh, uh, and content coming up very soon. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, which is uh, slash Dantix official. You can also find me on Twitch, which is slash Dantix streams. So uh, it's a lot of gaming content. And basically <laughs> stuff like this. So, <laughs> I'd uh, I'd recommend if you're interested in uh, in Anthem, um, the the video titled "Loyalty." Uh, well, the new fo- footage breakdown, uh, "Loyalty," "Team Widgets," and "Combo Effects," and more uh, is the one that really got me hyped for the moment-to-moment gameplay. So go check that one out. It's on. It's one of the latest ones on the channel, on YouTube. Ed, what about you? Yeah, you can uh, watch me stream live uh, tonight, actually. I'll be playing the, the final couple chapters of Metro uh, 2033 and kind of trying to get through those games before Metro Exodus comes out, even though I'm sad about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, And yeah, so you can catch that at 4pp.tv and you can follow me on Twitter at Adesis. And as usual, that will be in the show notes. Exactly. Both uh, Twitter accounts will be in the show notes so you can get them from there. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. If you want to see pictures of my incredibly... Uh, cute kid uh, playing with his first PlayStation 4 controller. He's one year old. Uh, he didn't oh, watch wow. the screen too long. Don't don't freak out. It, we didn't. I heard he ate it. He ate the controller. Yes, he he actually he played a little bit, or I should say, like moved the controller a bit, and then proceeded to slobbering all over it, which was <laughs> not the best. You know, he's young. He's learning. 
so you can find pictures of that and other things uh, there. And of course, the show is at frenchspin.com along with other things you might enjoy. And uh, that's going to be it. We will be back in a couple of weeks, probably with a little bit more, maybe not, I don't know, Anthem talk. Uh, maybe we'll wait for it to be, uh, uh, to for me to have progressed a little bit more in the game. Maybe we'll give early impressions and all of the game news you need that will be in the next episode. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.